Lean forward slightly. Look straight at the speaker. And listen with a sparkle in your eye. As though you might be thinking, gee, this is the most wonderful thing I've ever heard in all my life. Live from Hollywood, California, this is So I Married a Movie Geek. Hello, welcome to So I Married a Movie Geek. I am Batman. Okay, no, I'm not really Batman. I'm Chrissy McQueen. But we saw Batman. Me and Justin Winters. Say hi, Justin. That was a terrible impression of Batman. Yeah, it really was. Well, I can't do it. I don't have that low voice, that register. We saw more than Batman, though. We also did see the Green Hornet. Although, if you want to do the whole podcast with Batman's voice, that's cool. I am Batman. You could be uh, Christian Bell Batman and be like, I'm Batman! No, he's like, oh, Batman. No. <laughs> that was, Jeff Bridges came back, guys. Oh, what was it? Come he like, on. He like does like the, oh, Batman. He like no. does another register. No, he just whispered the entire time. He was in a low voice, but a growly whisper the entire time. The same one they used. In Terminator, but he was louder in Terminator. He like whispered, screamed. Yeah, amateur. Whiskered screen. Yeah, amateur. No, that's what I think of when I think of Terminator. The poor, poor lighting designer or, you know, PA who Christian Bale rallied against. Not the point. Whatever. Yeah. F that guy. Yeah, F that guy. You mean Christian Bale or the guy who walked in the shot? The guy that walked in the shot. No, that's not nice. Yeah, you walked in the shot, whatever. Dude, people mess up. You can do the shot again. It happens. Okay. Okay. So, back to Green Hornet slash Batman! I don't know how I went so long without ever seeing Batman. I mean, I know how long, how I went so long without seeing Green Hornet, because it was the same day it came out. But, Batman! When did that come out? 1989? True. 1989. What is wrong with me, y'all? What is wrong with me? Loaded it's, question. It's okay. You're young. And inexperienced in the ways of watching movies. Hey, thanks for saying I'm young. <laughs> That's awesome. You're old. No? No. Okay. Not okay. All okay. right. Well, let's go talk about Green Hornet. Green Hornet. Okay. Before we get into uh, the particulars of the movie, may I just preface this by saying, I am sure, absolutely positive, 100% certain, I will not cry this podcast. Oh, really? I will not cry. I don't know. That sounds like a challenge. No, I'm not going to cry about the Green Hornet. Or I may, you know, cry about how mediocre it was, but I'm not going to cry. Again, sounds like a challenge. Proceed. (laughs) Green Hornet was uh, written by, produced by, and stars Barbara Streisand, a.k.a. Seth Rogen. Well, he kind of did pull the babs. You're giving me a look like, what? But he did. He pulled the babs. In what way? Well, Barbara was well known for always having her hand in, like, every part of, what? No, she was like an octopus. Like, she had (laughs) one tentacle in producing, one in directing, usually something in writing, and then she starred in it, she sang, she, you know. I always wondered how she did all that, but to now know that she's an octopus, (laughs) it makes sense. Right, Barbara Streisand's an octopus, and Seth Rogen gave it his best shot. But here's the problem with Seth Rogen. I don't think Barbara was the only one that ever did, you know, no, more than one thing. Of course not, but she's just really well known for it. Here's the thing. Barbara Streisand's an octopus. She can get stuff done. Seth Rogen, he's more like one of those sea creatures that just kind of floats above the floor and eats the turtles or whatever it is that are on the bottom of the ocean. Floats above the floor? Of the ocean. The floor uh-huh. of the ocean. Is he a fish? No, I like it's, some algae type thing. No, it's 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 um it's it's, it's a sea creature. A sea creature. Wait, you've like seen a it? Sea Come monster? on. No, we saw it on like Planet Earth. Come on, when Oprah was narrating, it's the one where they float. They almost look like they're little spaceships, but with like frilly sides. And so he's an undersea spaceship. <laughs> no, listen, and they float. What happens when he meets Barbara Streisand, the octopus? She eats him. No, but this is a, it's like a specific type, it's not an octopus, but it's like that family of creature. What does this have to do with your view of the Green Hornet? 
In other words, he tries really hard to have his hands or technicals, tentacles in, <laughs> I almost said something else, in everything. But at the end of the day, he fails because he just doesn't have the octopus arms and legs. He just kind of has this amorphous body that floats above the seafloor. Doesn't work. This undersea blob that you don't remember if it was a fish yeah! or it. Well, is, is it an octopus a fish? Like a what, skate? No, what family is an octopus in? It's not a fish. What is it? The octopus family. Okay. Well, oh. then this is in the octopus family, but it doesn't have the arms. <laughs> family was in quotation marks, by the way. This is so stupid. Fine. Look at planet Earth. Listen to Oprah. It's the thing that eats the turtles or whatever it is that's in the floor. Got it. Of the ocean. Okay. Proceed. Okay. <laughs> I think that he put his hands in too many things. And he couldn't balance at all. He just, he just you know... Are you still thinking of the sea, the sea creature? <laughs> Is that trying to balance with all his, t- his tentacle? That's or just it. He tes- didn't have any. Testicles. He, he's like a paraplegic octopus. Wow. <laughs> That's an analogy for you. Seth Rogen, paraplegic octopus. Oh, man. In other words, he tries hard. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. This movie was a mess. (laughs) Hence, paraplegic octopus. I was so sad about this movie. (laughs) I think I started being audibly sad in the middle of the movie. Where I would just be like, ugh. Actually, you were quite the opposite of being audibly sad. You were, like, inaudibly sleeping. Like, I looked over at you at one point, and you were wearing your 3D glasses, and your head was just ever so slightly crooked to the side in a way that led me to believe that you weren't actually awake behind your 3D glasses, but were sleeping. Were you? Um, I almost nodded off once. I knew it! <laughs> and that was like three-fourths through the movie. I did too. Well, here's the thing, man. Like, this movie had negative momentum, which for like an action comedy or whatever it's supposed to be, you want to have some kind of like forward momentum. This thing was like so slow through parts. You're like, is this a drama? Like, what is going on? Like, I don't understand. It took it, one step forward and two steps back every time. Well, the script was just like, whoa. I don't know what happened. It was just like tonally everywhere throughout the movie. You didn't know. It was like it, it was half assing its way towards being an action, uh, like an action movie, and then half-assing its way toward being a a comedy. It was just, like, all over the place, and it made me sad. Maybe it was just trying to be, like, an action movie, but cerebral with some sort of, like, conscience? No. No? One of the big big problems with the movie was Seth Rogen's character. It was just such a, like, an a-hole. Like, you wanted... Like, halfway through the movie, I was like, I could be okay if the Green Hornet died and Kato took his place. Me too! <laughs> Kato was awesome. I rooted for Kato, and I could care less about what happened to Seth Rogen's character for a good portion, if not all of the movie. Well, he's, I mean, his character was supposed to be an a-hole, I guess, at the at the beginning. And the funny way that he showed it was that scene. That's the worst opening scene in any movie I've seen in a while was the dad tearing off the head of the action figure. Oh, and that's like, he was a that's kid. Like, that's like him being mean, and you're like, oh, man, poor kid. Poor that Seth must, Rogen. This must have ruined his life. He had to, like, cry in his $100 bill bed. And then he told the story later, and he's like, he ripped the head off my doll right in front of me. So you're like, okay, his dad was an a-hole. I guess he's an a-hole at the beginning, at the beginning of the movie. Maybe he, you know, becomes a good person over the course of the movie. But no, you're like, I still hate him, even at the end. Like, at the end, you're like, I don't even want to see his next adventure. That's how big of an A.O. he still is. Wait, it's like he would have, like like I said earlier about, you know, one step forward, two steps back. He would take one step forward where he would actually show interest in, you know, Kato, his sidekick's life, and, like, what Kato's about. He would pay Kato a compliment. And then a minute later, he'd be like, Make me some coffee. <laughs> he didn't care about Kato. No, he didn't. Only he cared about Kato's super cappuccino machine or whatever they had. Yeah, he only cared about what people could do for him, which is why uh, Cameron Diaz wasn't into him, which is why Kato eventually was like, I don't really want to be friends with you anymore. Like, he wasn't even... What was the superhero part of him? Like, what did he do? He didn't... Even when they got into fights, Kato did all the fighting and all the strategic and all the mechanical um, aspects of... Well, he, was a, he was a rich kid that he was pissed off that his dad, you know, who died in this 
like <laughs> the funniest way possible. You think at the beginning you're like he got stung by a bee or something like what? But this was like his road to quote superhero dumb. It would be like me. I'm just gonna because I, I don't want to use anyone else as an example. I'll use myself as an example. Okay, here you go. Are you I don't ready? want anyone else to be the superhero. No, I'm just saying like I don't want to like you know sell anyone else out. So I'll sell my own life out. Here it is. Are you ready? My dad was an alcoholic. True story. Total ass to me a good portion of the time. Bad divorce. My mom's really upset about it. Never quite recovered. So yeah, that sucked. And guess what? I'm mad at the world and I'm bitter. I'm gonna go and cause stuff to happen and fights and maybe make things better and save people but i can't do it on my on my own jackie chan come with me you do this whole thing and i'm just gonna stand on the sidelines and reap all the benefits and take the credit yeah you're like i'm not even gonna like help people i'm just gonna continue being a dick while kato does all the work yeah no that's kind of what it was it would be like if i got in the car now with jackie chan and the car that he built took him downtown to la got out of the car got some crips and bloods to get really upset with me and then said you handle this that's kind of what the whole movie was about, and it happened over and over again. I just love when he like when they first go out, like we could do anything, anything in the world. We have, you know, money's no object. Let's go cut off the head of my dad's statue. Right. Yeah. Felt like something like on Pete and Pete or something that they would do, like in the <laughs> middle of the night. Pete and Pete, good reference, Justin. Way to reach back into the nineties, but yes, I agree with you. But the main problem was, like, the script, like I said, the director who, I mean, just just this movie is filled with people that I like individually doing other things. Yeah. But the pudding this time was rancid, pretty much. I agree. I like Seth Rogen when he's not trying to be an amorphous paraplegic octopus. I like Super Bad, Knocked Up. Yeah. Pineapple Express is your mom's favorite movie. Basically when he's not doing the writing or producing, I think. No, he did. The, he wrote super bad. Did he? Yeah. Oh, I guess he did. Yeah, and right. Pineapple Express. No, you liked Pineapple Express much more than me. Oh well, not the point. Anyway, this was this one was half baked. Just in terms of introducing a superhero that you would want it, obviously want to do a sequel or mini sequels to it. Just oh god, I hope not. This is the shadow, the Alec Baldwin shadow. Like this is <laughs> it's just a. It's terrible at the beginning. Do you really think that there's going to be a sequel to this? I would hope not. Really? Unless Kato, unless Kato kills him at the beginning and it becomes the great Kato. Yeah, honestly, his, Kato should have his own spinoff. And his uh, cappuccino, super cappuccino making abilities. Do you know what I thought of at one point when we were watching this? What? I thought, and I've never actually seen this movie I'm about to reference. It just seemed to me like this is what it might be like. I was like, this is like Rush Hour. Rush Hour? Yeah. And Chris Tucker's character is Seth Rogen, except I, white and rich. I disagree. I didn't really find any, um, like, Seth Rogen and the other guy just didn't seem like a good pair. Like, very much chemistry between them. Right. First of all, Seth Rogen was, like, yelling his, his every line throughout the movie, and it got kind of annoying after a while. And second, the guy, Jay Chow, I guess is, like, huge star and... China? Japan or China, wherever he's from. But he was just sad. Like, he had trouble with his American accent. And then at one point, it was just like, you feel sad for him. You're like, oh, man, he's trying so hard to, with, this, with these terrible lines. And, you know, he looked annoyed. He, number one, he looked annoyed at the script. Number one, number two, he, he looked be. annoyed at Seth Rogen. And, he should be. And his yelling. And then number three, he was annoyed he couldn't get the lines down. A couple times you like you thought you put a question. You thought you put a question mark at the end of sentences like, "Did I get it right?" (laughs) (laughs) And the director just let that in. Or, or he said something where he overly pronounced the word or phrase just to get get out of his mouth. Yeah, you're like, this is like the twelfth take or whatever. No, we we shot this and that was it. Exactly. It's not like he actually said, "Do you want some orange juice?" But if he did, it would have been like, "Do you want some?" Orange juice. I imagine him in a movie with um, Rooster Cogburn from True Grit. Like, you would definitely need subtitles for both of them. They, they're they like, Do you want some orange juice? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that 
That's your Jeff Bridges as Rooster Cogburn imitation of the week. And even that, the I mean, the villain who was so good in Inglorious Bastards kills me. Christoph Waltz, misstep, my friend, misstep. Ah, uh, like I don't know. He was scary in Inglorious Bastards in a very calm, passive, heavy on the aggressive, you know, way. I like the idea of his character. You know that he was. Losing it, I guess. He thought he was losing his oomph. But who really believes that one guy controls every gang in Los Angeles? That was actually really hard for me. I'm like, come on. Really? Especially because he didn't really seem too threatening. The only threatening thing he, he had was, like, double-barreled pistols. That was and a cool gun. He would ram you into a landfill or whatever. But that was kind of his whole shtick, was that he was supposed to look non-threatening. And everybody kept saying, like, you're non-threatening, look at your suit, it sucks. And then he'd be like... Oh, really? You think I'm not threatening? And then he would impale somebody on something. Oh, really? Honestly, like, that was his whole attitude, where he'd be like, what makes you think that I'm not threatening? I'll kill you. Yeah. I guess just coming from his character in Glorious Bastards, where, like... Let's see that again. You just have a dialogue scene with the guy, and you're like, okay, this guy's a bad, bad dude. I mean, obviously, Nazis are scary because they're Nazis, but Christoph Waltz in that very first scene with uh, the Frenchman in uh, *Inglorious Bastards*, like I was peeing myself. You were peeing yourself? Pretty close, like legs crossed, going, "What the? What's gonna happen?" You sat in your pee for like two hours. I was like, and he a seemed, long and he did it so jovially too, with that smile on his face. You know, being a, a bastard. <laughs> if you ever seen *Inglorious Bastards*, watch it. Yeah, yeah. Like the one, the scene where she's eating the pie, and he's like talking to her about. Oh. Uh. I want to watch that again. Let's not watch The Green Hornet ever again. Can we do that? Can we make that happen? We haven't even got to the worst part about the whole movie. Which was, in your opinion? Cameron Diaz. I don't think she was the worst part. I think there were much worse things going on in this movie. Why was she in this movie? She needs to work. No, but she really didn't do anything. She was pretty. She walked around in her underwear, because it's not a movie if Cameron Diaz doesn't show up in her underwear at some point or another, and that's it. When was she in her underwear? She might have been sleeping. It was towards the end when they came to her house and they were like, Oh my God! Open up the door! Oh my God! I'm Seth Rogen! I'm yelling on my lines! And then she opened the door. That was a great impression. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> no, he was more like, Have you done the research for me? That's all she did throughout the movie was they'd be like, Hey, why don't you research where the, what the Green Hornet should do next? And she'd be like, Oh, make sure it's... Wow! <laughs> He just interrupted and something like that would happen. Yeah. No. Give me a cappuccino! No, and then, no, but that, do you remember now what I'm talking about where they were being chased and then they ended up in Cameron Diaz's apartment slash house, whatever it was? That was how bad it was. I apparently wasn't even. Oh, well, this is what happened. Yeah, like the cops were following them or something, so they ended up there because Cato knew where she lived. And, you know, Seth was like, How do you know where she lives? And they ended up there, and then the cops followed, and she opens the door a crack, and they were like, ma'am, there are two fugitives on the loose who we think are highly armed and dangerous. Have you seen them? And she's, like, looking at them right behind the crack of the door, because how can you hide Seth Rogen behind a door, by the way, that's open? I don't even know. And she goes, nope, I'll be sure to be on the lookout. And they're like, all right, ma'am, well, let us know. And then oh, she okay. shuts I remember the door, and she got all mad. She was in her underwear. She was in, like, a little camisole and undies. Who cares? She didn't make her character that really didn't even make sense. Oh, I'm not saying who cares, but you were asking why is she in this movie? I said because it's not a movie of Cameron Diaz doesn't show up in her underwear. It was only made even more awkward by the part where she was introduced and he was like talking about her being in her twilight and being really old. And she said, "Did she say she was 36?" Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like oh, ten years ago. Yeah, 36 when you were in the mask. So not only did, you know, was it a terrible just role, but her introduction just made fun of how old she is. And and it's a shame because she is really a beautiful woman. I don't care how old she is. I, I really think so. Now, I don't care if she's, you know, 22, 36, or, you know, going on 50. Like, she's just a beautiful woman. Why do you have to draw attention to the fact that she's getting old? Or is old? Uh, um she is in her twilight i'm over it does a disservice to women though in movies because they gotta work you know and she's still like i said a beautiful actress there's no reason to, to go there for her there's just not just she's thinking. not dame judy dench come on oh, it should have been dame judy dench 
<laughs> I don't want to see Jane, Dame Judy in her underwear, thanks. <laughs> Hello, fellas. Judy Dench looks a little bit like my grandmother on my mom's side. It freaks me out. You caught me in my underwear. Here, hide behind this door and I will... Is she British? Keep you away from the... Yes, Dame Judy Dench is British. Oh, yeah, she is. <laughs> I forgot. Sorry. I was imagining her in, like, shock a lot. <laughs> Sorry, Justin. <laughs> and that's the part where the needle on the podcast record went... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dame Judy Ditch. Oh. oh. We didn't even talk about Vision. Like, Oh, yeah. Like, what is that? Tom Schroes down. <laughs> I'm not, I want, I'm really, I swear, I'm not making fun it's, it's like, of, uh, of that. I'm making fun of him specifically. He couldn't say any it was, <laughs> lines. It was, I guess it was kind of like the video game type of thing. Like Red Dead Redemption. It with, is. Uh, Dead Eye, where you're like... Yeah, no, it's totally slow sees everything at the same time, and it's weird. It is weird. I kind of get that way when I go into, like, a donut shop or something. Like, you spy all the donuts and yeah, you Yeah, I walk in, and, like, it, everything slows down. I'm like, cruller, glaze, stuffed cream. <laughs> look, you try to think of different donuts on the spot. You're like, this one, that one. You look like you have ADD right now. Like, look. When I go to Scoops to ice cream, I'm like, oh, brown bread, cookie. I'm like, see it all at the same time. Now you're speaking my language. And then I want to like, scoop it all like really fast. <gasps> Peanut butter, Oreo, banana. Into my mouth. Chip. Like, do like a karate chop to people in front of me. Anyway. Well, you're pretty tall. You, you probably The, the Kato Vision was kind of weird. Kato Vision was pretty cool until it got to the end. And then it was like more of a novelty that had worn off. Yeah. Like, like, really, this movie this. even... I guess I was really disappointed because it was an expensive 3D movie. Like it didn't need yeah. to be. It didn't need to be 3D. No. At all. No. And we paid like sixteen dollars. Sixteen dollars a ticket. Dumb. It's like two gut punches. You know how many scoops at scoops we could have gotten for that? A bunch. A lot. Could have gotten like Willy Wonka fat. Oh my god. On ice cream. Because it's like two fifty for two scoops or something. Oh my god! Can you even imagine? Would you recommend this to anyone? No. Would you no. Netflix it? No. Don't even watch it? No. Oh. No. What if we see Seth Rogen again in the grocery store? Are you going to be in like... In Whole Foods? In Whole Foods. I'll be like, hey man, you were much better in Superbad. Or Knocked Up. You would say that to him? No. I wouldn't talk to him. I'd just be like, oh my god, Justin, look, there's Seth Rogen. <laughs> Maybe if we yell, come over. Look at these papayas! Oh my god! I love papayas. What would be your, your final grade for the Green Hornet? C minus. C minus? Yeah. I thought it would be lower, but okay. No, C minus. C minus? Yeah. Because it has some, some merit. Just, again, it's not something I would want to see again, nor would I necessarily recommend that you waste your money on it either. But it had its moments. I mean, I did laugh periodically. That's the thing. I guess it's more... Just that it was so mediocre, rather than right. just totally sucking. I was just disappointed. Right, that's what I mean. C minus. C minus. What do you say? I say, yeah, that sounds good. Oh, C-. high five! High five! Love it. That was good. Underwater C. What was it? What is he? A blob. I call them an, underwater I, I call them like an amorphous paraplegic octopus. Really? <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> it's kind of mean. I don't mean it like that. I just mean that he had, he tried to put his hands on everything, but he didn't have hands. It didn't work. <laughs> That's the problem. And then Barbara Streisand, Octopus Cops, is like... And she walks by and she's like, look at me. I can put my hand in everything and it works out the way we were. They're, they're about to be in a movie together, I think. Seth Rogen and Barbara Streisand? Yeah. What? She's going to play his mom. Shut up. Because she, she's going so to be like, okay, this is how you do it. No. <laughs> and here I was <laughs> thinking I was kind of funny. For realsies? It'd be like that part in Little Mermaid where they're singing and the octopus are like playing all the instruments. Under the sea. Yeah. Yep. All right. Moving on to Batman. 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 So tell me how, why you never watched this movie before? Well, when it came out, I think I was four. So it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm four years old. I'm going to watch Inspector Gadget on television as opposed to Batman. You were six. No, I wasn't. 
1989? Yeah, and I was born in November. So wait, 84, 85, 86, 87. I was five. You said you were three. No, I didn't. I said I was four. I never said I was three. You're five. I was five. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, I was watching Inspector Gadget. I wasn't about watching full-length feature movies at five. No? No. Wow. I think my... The, so I, your ADD really hasn't changed that much. I think I saw The Fox and the Hound when I was five. I might have seen Bambi or Cinderella when I was five, but honestly, my repertoire of movies didn't go far beyond Disney. Okay. Well, what did you think for the first time seeing it? Um, well, first of all, I had no idea that Tim Burton had directed it. No idea. No clue whatsoever. So when I saw his name, I went, Tim Burton did this? This is going to be awesome. Yeah. And I instantly became much more excited to see it than I had previously been. Uh, That being said, without going into the full plot, which we will, I feel like after I saw this, I went, so that's what they were trying to do with the Green Hornet and like every other movie um, since then about, you know, comic books or superheroes in general. I feel like they're all taking off of the page of Batman. Really? I do. Granted, I have a small repertoire of superhero comic book movies to draw upon. But I'm saying, that's what it feels like. Okay, in what way? Just like the way... I'm not going to explain this well. Um... A little bit from of, of the art direction, a little bit of how these actors throughout the years inhabit the role and try to make it their own, but also make it a little bit um, hyper real, you know, like almost like it's jumping out, the character is jumping out of a page like a comic book as opposed to a real, you know, person. <laughs> and I'm not, again, I'm not explaining this well, and I know I'm not, which really bugs me because I like being articulate, but... I don't know. It just feels like they're all kind of taking a page off of this. Stop falling asleep. I'm not the Green Hornet. What'd you call it, by the way? The Green Bornet? Yeah, the Green Bornet. <laughs> it's boring. I know. It made me almost fall asleep. Indeed. Oh. Well. Well. So, wait, did you like it? Yes. You didn't say that you liked it. Or yes, did I did. You Okay. I said this is going to be awesome, and then... You said this is going to be awesome at the beginning of the movie, and it was awesome? Yes, I made some notes. Okay. Um, first one, I just have to get this off my chest right away, because when they were at that Harvey Dent rally, uh-huh. I even hit you with the back of my hand, I said, Harvey Dent used to be black? Yeah. Because the only Batman movie I've seen is the last installment. Yes, it's true. With Heath Ledger. The, the Dark Knight is yeah, the only the Batman Knight. you've ever seen. Right, and obviously Aaron Eckhart is not black, so I was very confused about this. Um, I know. Lando, Lando Carlisian played uh, Harvey Dent. R- Billy D. Williams. Was he always black? No. So he just jumped around? Yes, he jumped around. <laughs> was he ever Mexican or Asian? Was he Hawaiian? <laughs> Is he like a transformer? <laughs> like a werewolf? He's like <laughs> Harvey Dent is like an it's a small world character. He just changes. <laughs> you enter the different movies or lands and he becomes someone else. Um what, Tommy Lee Jones played him in the third one. That's right. Which you didn't see either. No, but I knew he was in it. But I guess Billy D. Williams was kinda of pissed that he you know Yeah. He played him and then he didn't get to do like the showy stuff. Well, yeah, and all, not only that, but there's a limited amount of roles, unfortunately, for minorities in movies. And so to see one that was played by a black guy or an Asian guy or, you know, a Hispanic guy, it doesn't matter. And then to have it replaced with a white actor is kind of salt in the wound, I think. If I were black, I'd be pissed. Billy Dee Williams had, really, had reason to be pissed. I'm kind of pissed for him, even though I'm not black. I just think that's kind of not cool. Okay, well, you should write a... Start a campaign. <laughs> Let's go back in time. Harvey Dent. Billy D. Williams, you deserve your own shot. Harvey Dent is black, and he shall remain black. <laughs> there you go. Okay, what's it, what, what's left on your list? Um, WTF gun sounds. I'm sorry. It was Okay, now here's my question. Uh-huh. Because I feel like by 1989, we had learned how to properly execute the sound of a firearm going off in a movie or a TV show. See, I was, think it, it was old school. It was like, a, I mean, this movie was like really like dark, like 
1960s. Well, that was my question. Film noir. Was this an homage to the 1960s series or film noir in general? Yeah. Even though it was supposed to be like modern day, it had like a 1960s like... Feel. Feel. Which the art direction was probably the thing that was praised the most about the film. That's what I was thinking. When it came out. It, that was my favorite thing about it. It was visually arresting. I loved it. The script, not so much. Mm, yeah. Um, that was its weakest part. Uh... The actors worked with it, though. I gotta get, I gotta hand it to them because I think on paper they didn't have very much, especially Kim Basinger. God, but what's wrong with Kim Basinger? No, I like her. I'm just saying that she didn't have much to work with in terms of like you know cohesive lines or roles. She had lots of different outfits and like right. ways to do her hair. And they were she, all monochromatic. She had like the glasses. That was kind of hot. Yeah, but I mean, she didn't have much to her character. All we know is that she was a prolific photographer. That's it. Well, she was in one of the most um, widely derided scenes where Alfred just decides to bring her into the Batcave, like, hello, Vicky Vale, we come in here and just ruin the surprise. <laughs> yeah, that was really random, actually. It was just kind of like, and, oh, and it's climactic, because he never actually got to told her what this who is he is. This is the Batcave. Like, here you are. Bruce Wayne's like, what? What the fudge? I like Bruce Wayne much more when he was Batman than when he was Bruce Wayne. If for no other reason, his posture. He never ran. He never, like, fought, per se. He just kind of floated with his wings out all the time. Or he, like, walked. Wait, wait, wait. You like? You said you liked him as Batman, but yeah. not as Bruce Wayne. Right. You liked him as Batman because he always floated around? No, let me explain. Because it was just more amusing. Like, I, I like that he, whenever he moved his posture, it was so funny. Like, he can never just turn his head. His head, neck, and shoulders were all permanently attached. Obviously, they're permanently attached. But I mean, like, they can't was- move independently of each other. They all like, moved in one piece. Well, it's probably because of his suit. He had that, like, head thing. It was just hilarious. Like, he'd turn his head and he'd You're go... Supposed to say, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> it, just so you know, I did, like, a full upper body pivot. <laughs> so you, you, you liked it that he had to move like that? I did. I laughed. I giggled. Okay. Thank you for that. All right. So, what else? <laughs> Sorry. Keep going. I'm, this is so ADD. I just enjoy. I don't know why. I enjoyed his posture as Batman. <sighs> um, why didn't he ever, like, leap off of buildings and stuff? Why did he just kind of float around and walk? Is that a Batman thing? I feel like eventually he started leaping off buildings. Well, if he's coming down in the frame from up above, he's leaping off stuff. It feels like he didn't have any quote-unquote superpowers. It feels like he just had some cool gadgets that helped a normal guy. Well, that's Batman. No, but in the later movies, like the last one, he did like some crazy stuff from what I remember. Well, he, no, Batman is like the guy that like really doesn't have like superpowers. He's just a rich dude with a lot of money to spend. Right, I totally understand that. But in the last installment in Dark Knight... Didn't he do some, like, crazy ninja sort of stuff when he was fighting? And Yeah, I mean, he's trained. You miss Batman Begins. Oh. He was trained in that by Liam Neeson's oh. character. Okay, but Liam Neeson was in there? Liam Neeson, Batman Begins. I didn't know that. We'll have to watch other Batman so you could learn. Yeah, but I was going to say, because I feel like in that first one that that was missing. Like, he's got some pretty cool little gadgets that help him do things, but he doesn't know how to do very much. Well, he's kind of boring in this movie. He's definitely overshadowed by this Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. Who's crazy. Well, let's talk about Jack Nicholson. Go ahead. Talk about Jack Nicholson. I feel like they waited too long to turn him into the Joker. For the first 15 minutes of the movie, I was like, I know that he plays the Joker because I know that's his role in this movie, but he's not funny. Why is he called the Joker? I don't understand. And then they dropped him in like a chemical vat and suddenly he became the Joker. Here's my question. Don't chemical burns kind of, like, make you misshapen in the way of, like, you know, melting off your skin? Since when do they make you look like you're permanently smiling and having a clown face? Well, I don't know. I've never been chemically burned. It turned him into a... good. No, it turned into a clown. I don't know. It was weird. It was weird. Even as a kid, I was like, that's kind of strange. Yeah, chemical burns don't turn you into a clown. And... Also, radioactive? Like, he shook that guy's hand and he turned him on fire and turned him into a skeleton that was, you know... He had a hand buzzer. But how does a hand buzzer fry up a human? 
know. It's a movie. I, I want to know. I don't understand. I don't know. So you're like the Mythbuster or something. You want? Th- that's my problem. I watch movies and I'm like, logic leap, logic leap. Again, this is a movie from 1989. So what, they were on Coke? <laughs> like, they were on Coke? Well, because you're like, 1989, heavy on that. It's, in terms of comic movies, they've, they've gone more, I guess, realistic. Again, this was like very like campy and like, it's Tim Burton. Yeah, I like Tim Burton and camp. Okay, go ahead. Oh, I thought that Jack Nicholson looked like a who. He looked like, like a who? Yeah, like a Dr. Seuss who. Just a little bit because, like, the way his nose became turned up and his upper lip, like, was stuffed. I was like, is, that, is he a who? Like, a really deranged who? What did you think of the Joker, though? He thought he was funnier than he really was. Really? It's because he yes. laughed a lot. Yeah. Yeah? Maniacally. Because that's the character. Again, I alluded to this earlier when I said I feel like the actors did much more than what they had to work with. His lines on paper, not great. Really not. But because he is Jack Nicholson and he can make pretty much anything work and turn it into his own, he did that. Apparently he got like some crazy contract to this movie like, where people like couldn't look at him or he like only had to work on Tuesdays or it was really weird. <laughs> what? I only work on days that start with T. Exactly. So bizarre. And then he got paid like an insane amount of money, like $40 million or something. Oh no, that explains it. I was going to ask, I was surprised that he did this movie because usually he does more serious roles and stuff like that. At least I feel like he does. Except for that one with Helen Hunt. But beside that. That was a drama. Dramedy. Yeah. I just, I don't know, it was surprising. I, I don't think I've ever seen him laugh so much. Ever. Yeah, well, he was chewing scenery, man. Pretty much through the whole movie, so. Chewing scenery? Yeah. Over, overplaying it. Uh, a lot. I was like, what? What? What do you mean? What's left on your list, man? Um, I have to decipher what I was trying to say, because we saw the movie last night. I wrote, commercial... B.W. looks confused. Me too. Who's the... Bruce Wayne. Commercial <laughs> Bruce Wayne. Oh, wait, this is okay. Like, <laughs> what is this? Okay. It's like wait. Robert Langdon. This is like the Da Vinci Code <laughs> trying to decipher your notes. No. Here, let me read them. Uh, what? Commercial. Commercial. B.W. looks this, confused. Me too. Me what too. commercial is this? When the one where um, they were at, they it was the newscast, and all of a sudden the commercial came in where Jack Nicholson's uh, Joker was like, "Buy these products," and da 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 da. Bruce Wayne was watching it at home, and he looked really confused. At that point, I had no idea that he was trying to poison the whole town, and I was confused too. I was like, "What is this? What is is he selling things now? I don't understand." So that's why I wrote that. Yeah, the story was really weird. She doesn't seem what too I, upset. He's reading a note again. She doesn't seem too upset that everyone's dead. More upset by Alicia. Oh yeah. Space. Yeah. Here's what happened. <laughs> Kim Basinger is at the not the Guggenheim but the Flugenheim, waiting for Bruce Wayne to meet her for a date. Now this part was totally stupid too. Oh, is this the infamous musical interlude, Prince? Yes. But she calls. She calls Bruce Wayne's home to tell Alfred to tell him. She's running 10 minutes late. Uh-huh. He tells Bruce Wayne, she's running 10 minutes late. He's like, wait a minute, we're not having dinner or something. Hmm. He still doesn't show up right away. Like, he just kind of, like, hangs out, I guess, and decides to watch the whole thing go down as opposed to, like, you know, I don't know, going in, rescuing the rest of the people who are going to die. <laughs> Maybe he was across town. Yeah, uh-huh. It took him a while. Oh, it could be. So she's just sitting there and waiting, and it seems like like he's a no-show. Then this gas mask comes at her table. She's told to put it on. Purple smoke imbues the whole building. Everyone dies, apparently. She puts on her gas mask. She puts it on like she's half bored and half annoyed. Not scared. Not, you know, sad that everyone's dying. Just like, this gas mask is orange. She puts it on. Everyone dies. She's nonplussed by the entire thing. 
Jack Nicholson comes and sits across from her, and she's just annoyed at his presence, pretty much, until she sees the one, like, little chemical burn or scar on his girlfriend Alicia's face, and then she freaks the F out. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding? What was the point of that story? Everybody died, and she didn't care until she saw a little chemical burn on the pretty girl's face, and then she freaked out. Hmm. What did you think about the soundtrack with all the Prince songs? Wasn't that, wasn't that kind of weird? Of course it was weird, but any 80, to me, honestly, all 80s movies in that regard are weird. The music, I hate 80s music for the most part, and so I just find it all under the umbrella of weird. This is almost 90s, but just the fact that it was a superhero movie. The score by Danny Elfman was obviously really good. You know, he had all the, like, but then he dropped, <laughs> dropped like, Prince in, like, every now and then you're like, what? I'm used to that sort of weirdness with 80s crap. Shut up about the 80s stuff. I'm just saying. That's why I wasn't like, you haven't what's been de- going you, haven't, on? you haven't been dead against the 80s. No, but you asked me why I wasn't more surprised by it or why I didn't have a bigger reaction. And I'm like, I've just come to expect that from 80s movies. Again, this is 1989. Number two. Let's put Prince on. Prince had songs that weren't done in the 80s. Yeah, I know. So, if you had, so you said, do you call the Prince music in the 90s 80s music? No. I'm just saying I'm used to that sort of thing happening in 80s movies, so therefore it didn't surprise me that they were like, here's some 80s songs. What? what? <laughs> just saying. So in your head, most 80s movies should have used, like, 70s music, and that would have made them better? No, but you were wondering why. Or, or should, it, should the 80s filmmakers had gone into the future with some kind of time machine, brought back some 90s music, like some stupid Mariah Carey crap... And then you would have liked it more? That was the sound of me hitting my husband, I would like you to know. <laughs> or what was it? You can shut it. What was it the other day? You're like, uh, oh, a Third Eye Blind song or something? That goes on in the radio and you're like, don't you dare touch this. I did not say it like that. No, I turned it and you're like, why did you turn it? I'm like, because it's the worst song I of said, all no, time. that was a pretty good song for its time. Okay, point taken. That song sucks. I want something else to get me through this. It is movie kind of life. Batman, Batman. That movie's horrible. Okay. That movie's horrible? Huh? That movie is horrible? Batman. Batman? Batman. You're saying Batman is horrible? You said Batmobile versus Green Wait, Hornets. Wait, no, I'm asking you. You said that movie is horrible, and, I, and then you said Batman. Are you saying Batman is horrible? No, I'm reading... Uh, no, I don't think, I, didn't say I don't think it's horrible. I just think it's, um, kind of middle. I loved it when I was nine years old. I went to see it when I, I think on my birthday when I was nine yeah. and it was so like dark and different than other superhero movies. I mean, we only had like Christopher Super, Reeve Superman, Superman by then and that was all light and airy and stuff, but this was like dark and like crazy crap was happening. Like, you know, musical interludes with print songs yeah. and stuff. So, like, I thought it was great. I, I bought, like, embarrassing Joker t-shirts and oh, wow. Chuck Taylor Batman shoes. Wowzers. Yeah, it was very embarrassing. Cool. Why does it say Batmobile versus Batmobile Green versus Green Hornet? When I first saw the Batmobile for the for the first time, and uh, that was redundant, and they drove through the city, and then, you know, there was the police chase, you know, yada yada, had all these bells and whistles. The point I was trying to make, stop doing that, is that... I, that's when I kind of went, oh, this is what the Green Hornet was trying to do. You were really annoying. He's doing this, move along, move along, move along, sort of gesture, and it makes me want to sock him in the face. Do it. I'm going to break the nail. Oh. So, it reminded you of the... Green Hornet. The driving scene. Yeah, and I was like, oh, this is what Green Hornet was trying to do with their car and having all the bells and whistles and making it, like... You know, able to put those spooky things on the side to elude the police and, you know, tear up their car. And I think Green Hornet was more going of like a Bond type really? thing going on. Yeah. Okay. Like Kato was the um, Q, or is it Q that's the weapons guy? I don't know. Have you ever seen a James Bond movie? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Which one? It's the one <laughs> that came out in like. 2000, possibly 2001. Goldeneye? It's the one... Pierce Brosnan? Which, who yeah, was? definitely Pierce Brosnan. Goldeneye, probably. Um, no, they were on like some sort of island. There was some mountain climbing and... 
So what was your favorite scene from Batman? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me that, and I had one at the time, and then I forgot. I think I just kind of liked that whole crazy Prince interlude when they were, like, taking over the museum. Because it was so random, and it was like, and now here's a scene where they're going to, you know, rape these art pieces. Rape them? Yes. That's really extreme. Rape their artistic value. By, like, spray painting them? Or knocking down the statues. Yeah. All the print stuff was wacky, dude. Yeah. So what would be your final grade for Batman? B. B? So if you saw Green Hornet, DVD, Lion Street, Batman, DVD, Lion Street, you pick up Batman first. Yes, because Batman obviously is a classic in this, in this genre, I think. Yeah? I do. I think it's I think it's one of the classics that kind of, like I said, you know, every all the other movies have built upon. I'm not saying the other movies aren't better. I'm not saying it's the best. I'm saying I think they've all kind of built upon it, though. There you go. You are nodding somewhat emphatically. <laughs> oh, I forgot about one thing about Green Hornet. What? The weird supporting roles by, like, uh, Edward Furlong was in Green Hornet. Oh, our new neighbor. Is he 100% our new neighbor? According to our landlord. Wow. Okay, so what if we, like, see him, like, we're doing laundry or something? Are we going to be like... Hi, Eddie Furlong. Hello, Edward Furlong from The Green Hornet. And other movies. And other films. <laughs> you were pretty good in The Green Hornet. What are you doing living here? What are you doing living- Why don't you have a house? <laughs> I don't understand. Why are you living in this spacious yet still apartment complex? place. Well, that's not going to make him want to be our friend. We want to be like, hey, dude, you rock. Let's talk about Terminator 2 together. Or he probably doesn't want to talk about his movies, but how about we just be like, hey, dude, you rock. Let's talk about how to get our whites wider. <laughs> dude, if I see him, I'm going to invite him. I'll be like, hey, what's your favorite movie? Come be on my podcast. We don't have to talk about a movie you're in. We can talk about a different movie. Oh, no, don't do that. Why not? Because then he'll go back and Google us and find this one. And he'll hear us talking about, hey, why are you living in an apartment, actor boy? You said that. I didn't say that. I want to be his friend. Fine. <laughs> you do that. I'm going to befriend him. Oh, boy. Speak- Facebook friend! Speaking of befriending. Yeah? You know who was also in Green Hornet? Did you notice? Mm-hmm. The dad from Clarissa explain- Explains It All. From Clarissa, Clarissa Explains It All. Um, who was he? He was in the office. He worked in the, um, the newspaper. Oh, did he? Remember when they, uh, when Rogan's douchehead guy's like, I'll be the green bee. Oh, yeah, yeah, He was one of the guys in that office with Edward James almost. I love that you know, I was too busy, I was gonna say, I was too busy spending the entire movie trying to be like, is that Edward James almost? He looks too old to be Edward James almost. Is that Selena's dad? I don't know. I thought, yeah, I thought he should have been like a, uh, like a third sidekick. Edward James almost. Yeah, he's probably kind of wasted. It's pretty badass. He stands and delivers. And he's Selena's dad. Please let's not talk about Selena. Ay, 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 no me puede. That's what it needs. There needs to be a superhero movie that just drops in Selena music every now and then. <laughs> sort of like Prince. Let's get on that. A bitty bitty bum bum. Boom, boom, boom. A bitty bitty bum bum. A bitty 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 boom boom. A bitty 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 boom boom. That sounds. I don't recognize that Selena bitty bitty bong bong song. You don't? Of course, I only watched Selena once. While you watch it like several <laughs> several times. Pretty much, you guys. You gonna, I, I don't know why, but anytime Selena's on television, I, I, I it's like an illness. Like I have to watch it. Are you excited about Selena being the new judge on American Idol? No, because it's Jennifer Lopez, not really Selena. What if they brought her back from the grave to be one of the judges? That would be sad that that's the reason that they brought her back from the grave. Sure. Uh, oh, no, not a zombie. No, Justin, no. Bad. Zombie Selena-like. Does she have a lisp now? Did zombie Selena come back with a lisp? Well, she probably doesn't have a lower, like, jaw by oh, now, hell. so, uh... Really? <laughs> wow. Zombie Selena... Bitty bitty bong bong. Ah. I don't even know that song. It's bum bum, by the way, not bong bong. Bum bum, like the Tom Green bitty song. Bitty bitty bum bum. Yeah, I'm never gonna watch that movie again. So, well, you probably you're missing had the, out. You, you had the soundtrack. I guess. No, I didn't. 
No? I just know the music. <laughs> All right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> this has been a fun podcast, everybody. Thanks for listening. If, if Zombie Selena came out, I would hope that Rooster Cockburn was like my sidekick. So he'd be like... You just want him in all your movies That's him now. shooting zombies. You want him to like walk across the screen in every movie. There you go. Baby, bong, bong. Jeez. That's Rooster singing the zombie Yeah, I got it. I got it. What about how would he do dreaming of you? Oh, he gets nominated for an Oscar, so I can <laughs> I can think of more things for him to say. <laughs> In the meantime, we'll be watching other movies that don't necessarily include Jeff Bridges or Rooster Cogburn, and you can request movies, by the way. Um, yeah, Twitter us at Chris Winters, one word with a K, or at Justin Winters, and tell us what you want us to see. Yeah, st- stupid movies, preferably. Well, preferably. Uh, the caveat to that is it has to be a movie that I haven't seen. Which, you know, you'll probably find at least one. Godfather. I've never seen The Godfather. There you go. We were talking about, who is it? Oh, someone suggested Scarface. I'm like, she's definitely never seen Scarface. No, and um, a friend has suggested The Royal Ten of Bombs. Uh, yeah, no, we gotta do that one. We'll do like people, a Gwyneth double feature. More people have seen Scarface. Well, we'll do them both. This podcast will live forever. We have time. We'll do it in both, essay. I don't know what's happened to you. Are you zombie Selena slash Cogburn? He can't even talk. He's laughing so hard, you guys. Like, he waved his arms. His eyes were shut. He sounded like Cogburn, and yet he was doing zombie Selena. I don't know what happened. Justin has fallen off the wagon. I'm at the point where I've had too much caffeine. I'm definitely over-caffeinated. It seems like you're drunk, and I know you haven't been drinking. That's the funny thing. It really does seem like he's drunk, you guys. I'm drunk on love. I'm so in love with you. That's what it is. Oh, yeah. That's what it is. You're so in love with me. Love and glee, pretty much. (laughs) You're in love with glee? Me too. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) This is the part where we say goodbye, Justin. (laughs) Say goodbye. Goodbye, Justin. No, see, I didn't even say goodbye, Justin. I said say goodbye. Oh, goodbye. There you go. Goodbye, Gilbert. Oh, no. Don't do that. (laughs) If you can be zombie Selena Cogburn, I can be Gilbert. Where's Dad? Dad's dead. Good night, everyone.